Hello! Hello! Welcome to Kawaii Cast. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time, depending on... Yeah, that fun yeah. stuff. Fun stuff. I'm Tyler. <laughs> I'm Candice. And let's go ahead and get started with anime news. Uh, yeah, do you have anything? Uh, yes. Well, I look up my news. Yeah, well, you totally are prepared and know what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. 100% so, <laughs> prepared. So, this has been a big week in the 2.5D community. The uh, premiere of the Token Robin musical came out last week and has been blowing up the... Uh, at least Japanese community. It was such a popular show that it was literally trending on t uh, Twitter Japan for two days. It's a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a reason I love these shows. But in sadder news on the 2.5D end, uh, the Banana Fish second stage play has been canceled in all entirety. Oh. So, no word on whether or not they'll try to reschedule it for another time excuse me another time but for now no word that they're going to be doing any of their performances unfortunately okay so which sucks because they were supposed to debut this weekend as well yeah so oops it is what it is uh the pandemic has gotten really really bad out there so it's best for everybody's safety that they don't have too many shows going at the same time yeah. and the shows that are going are under the highest level of precaution with all the actors very well aware that they could just literally show up to the theater one day and be told go home we're done yeah that's crazy yeah they've, they've been told they could just cancel all the performances on a moment's notice yeah so fun stuff and the Oran High Host Club show is supposed to be coming out soon as well so neat yeah so who knows how that's gonna go down since that <laughs> one is also supposed to be premiering internationally as well we'll so. find out we'll find out because that one has been promised to have an international stream so. yeah but yeah so <coughs> that's I'm dying I'm okay <laughs> that's my big news on my side alright um so, voice actor Junichi Suwabe is returning to work um, after his COVID recovery. That's good. Yeah, he, he came into close contact with someone and started self-isolating. Uh, he did take his, his PCR test that came back positive. Uh, and for those that don't know who he is, he played uh, Victor from Yuri on Ice or Aizawa from My Hero Academia. Okay. So, he's he's back to work. That's good. And... Uh, oh, other than that... Uh, the Heaven Officials Blessing Volume 2 book has been announced for its English release. Should be coming out sometime this month. Nice. So, which is good... Because I'm about to start reading the first one. <laughs> uh, and then I think last little bit of news is uh, so the anime film Bell made its U.S. debut. Uh, and it actually earned $3.3 million at the U.S. box office. Awesome. So, That's one that we need sounds, to go see. <laughs> so, sounds like it's doing fairly well. Yeah. 
it's one we need to go see, but going to the theaters right now just... It doesn't <laughs> seem realistic, you know? We're, I think the next movie we're planning on seeing in theaters, if things don't get worse, is uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, so... Yeah. So yeah, with that... Let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. Yes. So we promised you guys Demon Slayer. And Demon Slayer you shall have. Yes, we will actually be talking about Demon Slayer this <laughs> week. Because, oh boy, this has been a heck of a season. So I want to, first of all, talk about the fact that I still see people complaining about the fact that the Mugen Train arc started this season off. I don't see a problem with it. Right? Like, like okay, I, I, I get that you got the, you know, we had the movie, and then, you know, when, when it started, it's like, okay, well, now it's kind of a bunch of reruns, but at the same time, not everyone, you know, had the opportunity to go see the movie. Yeah. So, it, it caught those people up on the, on the story. Even though they literally released the movie the same time that they released the first episode. But, yeah. regardless, the biggest thing that I think the Mugen Train arc gave us is, one, it made it a little easier to rewatch it because we hadn't seen the movie for, like, at that point, like, a year. Yeah. Or at least half a year. It was probably close to half a year, but it was 2021, so that was, like, five years. And, at least. Yeah. Because time's not real anymore. <laughs> so we we hadn't seen it in a while. So it was really nice to get a nice little recap there. Two, it gave the studio the opportunity to really, really polish this season out. And I would say polished they fucking did. All right. Mm-hmm. So we are entering literally my favorite arc in the entire manga. And that is the Red Light District arc or the Entertainment District arc. Ah, uh, yes. So... Uh, apparently, I'm I'm also finding it baffling how many people don't seem to understand what the entertainment district is. <laughs> Sweet, naive, innocent, young little people. <laughs> I know. I'm like I'm seeing all these people that are just like, oh my gosh, this 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 arc is so sexual for some reason. I'm like, I wonder why. Why, why is this demon clad in in panties and a giant obi that that <laughs> <laughs> that can extend for miles? Right. I'm just like I. I've seen so many comments about people who are just like, uh, y'all realize that this demon is like 13 years old. I'm like, well, I mean, technically she's like 300 years old. You know, I hate the whole like excuse of that or whatever, but we've also seen that demons can change their form. Like, okay, this is the thing, is everybody's always like, oh, she's still 11, she's still 11. This is what she looked like when she was 11. I'm like, no, that's not what she looked like when she was 11. In the, like, a little bit of spoiler for the next couple of episodes, but you actually get to see what she looked like when she was 11 and she first turned into a demon. She looked like a child. She doesn't look like a child anymore. And finally, like, did any... Did everybody just forget the whole spider arc where the girl that was supposed to be Rui's mom literally looked like she was, like, five? Right. But then when she was in, like, her, like, spider form, she looked like a full-grown woman? 
Obviously, demons can change their appearance. Everybody's like, it's only Mugen that could do No, it's literally it's any literally of them. It's literally all of them. Like, <laughs> you, you see Nezuko do it. You see uh, Rui's mom do it. You fucking see everyone do it, okay? Yeah. God. Like, I'm just, I'm so baffled that people seem to think that when you become a demon, you're permanently stuck in the form that you were when you became a demon. Like, we have never seen any evidence that suggests that. Like, even Rui changed his appearance. Like, he kept his age the same, but he clearly changed his appearance. Yeah. We saw the one demon that Tanjiro fought when he was in the mountain for, like, the trial, and that thing went from being this tiny little boy to being a massive, like, culmination of hands. We saw one demon literally turn himself into three people. Like... And those were weak demons. Uh, nope. The, the, see, clearly what happened with that was that was three people that were turned into one demon. <laughs> so, so clearly, you know, uh, that demon is able to split again. I think you're pulling shit out of your ass, but... I mean, all the time, but... So, I am usually not one to defend fan service, but I am just letting you guys know, if you think the big titty demon is hot, you're allowed to think the big titty demon is hot, all right? Mmm, titties. (laughs) Especially because she's, like, the head prostitute of this district. (laughs) Right? Like, um, she kind of made her name for herself by being a big titty woman. Yeah, like, she's clearly sleeping with people, and she's eating the ones she likes, so. (laughs) Mm. What a life. (laughs) 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 Ah, living the dream, I guess. (laughs) See, yeah, I... I do like the fact that Tengen's plan, though, was to send three, like, minor boys into, a, like, different prostitute houses to infiltrate for information, though. Look, kid, how old are you? What? 14? All right, I'm gonna dress you up as a girl and send you in to act as a prostitute. <laughs> Have fun! <laughs> so, yeah, but like I said, this is unquestionably my favorite arc from the manga, And a lot of it has to do with a lot of the plot twists, which we have gotten to this point in the series that we could talk about it without giving too many spoilers. So if you're not caught up, go get caught up because this is going to be a really spoiler heavy episode. Red Light District arcs are just good, okay? Like Demon Slayer, their Red Light District arc is good. Uh, Don Machi's Red Light District arc is good. Like there's just something about that Red Light District. Yeah. Isn't that where uh, Yakuza took place, too? Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Of the two of us, you've played more Yakuza than I have. I've Which is surprising, because Yakuza seems like the kind of game I'd be really into. (laughs) It's, it's, it's alright. I don't know, it's, uh, okay, you know, obviously going off away from the, the Demon Slayer and anime thing here, but, like, uh, for my my experience playing Yakuza, like, was kind of the same with when you were watching me play um, Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. and you were just sitting there complaining, like, you need to change sh- 
your style. You need to change your style. And I'm like, no. And Yaku was, uh, is fine. Except it's kind of that same thing where it's like, you, you need to change your style to suit what you need. And that, that doesn't work for me. I'm like, I need this one play style. <laughs> and so it was hard for me to get anywhere. So again, it seems like the kind of game that I would be really into. <laughs> yeah. Because I really like that. I really like the whole, like, every lock has a key kind of thing. And I'm just like, nope, gonna brute forth it brute force this bullshit. Yeah, you're just like, I need one tool. <laughs> I need one tool. That tool is a crowbar, <laughs> and it gets me where I need to go. <laughs> Basically. I love Ghost of Tsushima, though. That was one of the, my favorite things about Ghost of Tsushima, was being able to change my playstyle for what I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I found the one style I liked and I stuck with it. Your style was stand back and throw sticky bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> You're just like samurai my ass. <laughs> uh, yeah. So speaking of samurai, back to Demon Slayer. So one of the reasons why like I said, this arc is the best is because of a lot of the plot twists, but probably the biggest reason why this arc is the best is because of the man himself, Tengen. Because, my god, another good reason why we started with the Mugen Train going into this and why you absolutely needed that Mugen Train refresher going into this is because Rengoku and Tengen are so fucking different from each other. So different. Like, in the best possible way. So Rengoku was kind of this, like, epitome of, like, pure lawful goodness that, like, he is the shonen protagonist. If this had been any other, like, era of Shonen Jump, Rengoku would have been the protagonist of this show. Like, I, I believe even the name Rengoku is a reference to like other protagonists like Goku the overpowered bright as the sun kind of dumb but <laughs> all around good-hearted person and these typically were the protagonists before until an era of shonen jump came out where people realized that we would much I... rather have the Underdog. Heroes. I I don't know what you're talking about. That that fit that description doesn't fit any of the big three hero protagonists. <laughs> nope. And obsessed with food. Doesn't fit any of them. <laughs> and then Tengen almost feels like a lot of the protagonists that have been coming out. More recently, the bit of a devious person, trouble talking to people, uh, typically shunned by their family, uh, not one for words, surprisingly clever, but ultimately just kind of an asshole. <laughs> kind of clever, but also at the same time still not exactly bright. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fighting style is extremely flashy, and they are both flamboyant and self-centered to a T. Yep. 
but ultimately still very pure-hearted and still very caring, and their motivations for protecting people are just as legitimate as the perfect sunshine child. And I'd like to point out that we got kind of this dynamic as well in My Hero Academia with, uh, what's his name? The guy that can literally go through walls and shit. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember his yeah. name. I'm terrible with names. It's just been a while since I've watched My Hero Academia, so I can't remember what his name is. So, but either way, uh, it's also very, very imperative to note that similar to My Hero Academia... Lemillion Lemillion. I don't remember yeah. his actual name. Yeah, Lemillion. But uh, similar to My Hero Academia, where Lemillion was... <coughs> ultimately defeated by an extremely powerful villain. He didn't die, but he was completely neutralized of all of his power. And his fight was just such a good fight, though, and his final stance was such a powerful one that it completely motivated the protagonist for the remaining arc in the same way that Rengoku. His death was the most pivotal, or pivotal death in the entire series. I've said it before, I do not think Rengoku had the saddest death. I think ultimately that's up to the viewers. I think we are have yet to see the saddest death in this series. Unless you've read the manga and you know which characters I'm talking about because oh my god, shit gets really real from this point on, but Rengoku's is, is is it one is it uh one or all three of Tengen's wives? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh Rengoku's death is the most important death in the entire series. Because it was literally the event that shook the entire series from being a someday we'll catch Mugen to we need to fucking stop this. If our best Hashira can't stand up against any of the upper six, what the hell chance do the rest of us have? And mind you, he was going up against number three, but even then, that means there's two more powerful and the boss. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's also pretty imperative to note that Almost the entire group of Hashira believed that Rengoku was the strongest. And he probably was the strongest, actually. So yeah, it's it's pretty important for all of them to realize that even though they are the best of the best, they need to get really, really clever about how they fight demons from this point forward because they are already in the fucking nest at this point. And Tegan had the very, very unpleasant experience of fighting an upper six immediately after Rengoku died. But yeah, so the series or this arc does a really, really good job of painting the idea that Tengen went into this fight with almost no hope. He knew that Rengoku had been killed by one of these demons. But at this point, he had already sent his wives in for intel, knowing that this possibly was an upper moon behind all of this. So imagine you literally send in the three most important people you know 
to infiltrate a, a job site with an enemy that is extremely powerful and you already know the risks. And then the strongest person you know gets killed by one of them. And then you stop hearing from those three people. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be pretty desperate to find out what happened. Yeah. Hence his plan to use the three morons. <laughs> the three. <laughs> uh, uh. It's also really, really important to note that I love the writing style for how all the Hashira are kind of introduced to Tanjiro and his friends. So we got kind of the same experience with both Rengoku and Tengen where in the beginning, like, uh, at the end of the last arc, when we saw the train, we saw Rengoku was on the train. We're like, oh, there he is, the heroic flame Hashira. And then the moment Tanjiro meets him... He's just kind of a big, loud idiot screaming umai <laughs> over and over again. Uh, okay, but to clarify, I am so glad that the first episode did actually go over how Rengoku had just, I don't know, like three dozen of those bento boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Because the movie didn't cover that. Yeah, the the movie just seemed to imply that he just kept raiding the kitchen staff from work. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, yes, first class service. <clears throat> yes, uh, look, I know you've brought me five of these already, but if you could just bring me, like, ten more. <laughs> and mind you, the manga didn't cover how he got those bentos either. So. Oh, so it was, it was, uh, it was new an for anime everyone. only thing, yeah. Nice. So that that whole episode was an anime-only episode. Kind of a little OVA treat. Neat. Yeah. I Which I really liked, too, because I liked that it also showed why he idealized his father so much. Because we didn't really get to see much of like what his father was like as a Hashira, other than we can assume he wasn't such an asshole. <laughs> such a drunken asshole. <laughs> Let's clarify that. <laughs> So we could see where Ren Goku got a lot of his morals from, other than his mother basically telling him, like, listen, you were born powerful. You put that to good use. You never turn your back against good. It is your responsibility as somebody who was born this strong to be a good person. And in the case of Tengen, Again, we get that same introduction where at first we're just like, oh my god, powerful Hashira. And then immediately following that, we get this man's a fucking idiot when he's like, I am the god of flamboyancy. <laughs> and then Inosuke's like, I am the king of the mountain. I'm the king of the mountain. And Tengen, Hello, god of festivals. And Tengen's like, what are you talking about? You just sound like an idiot. Do you understand how stupid you look right now? <laughs> And I'm yeah. just like, this is like idiot to idiot communication here. It's it's like um, when you get two chunibios trying to react to one another, <laughs> but like one is, uh, you know, a, a, a fantasy world chunibio and the <laughs> other is like a cyberpunk chunibio, <laughs> you know, and they just, they don't, they don't mesh well together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, we also get this 
very, very different sense of morality from Tengen, where instead of him basically being told his, you know, in his childhood that he is powerful and thus he has to take responsibility and be a good person, he was basically told you have a responsibility to yourself, to your clan. You are a survivor of a shinobu clan that has been around for hundreds of years. You better do whatever it takes to keep this clan alive, even if it's underhanded or dirty. Tengen was basically set up to become a demon. Like, being a demon would have literally solved all of his problems. His moral compass comes from himself. He doesn't have, you know... He didn't have to hear the whole Spider-Man spiel of with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) He literally just knew that what his family was doing was wrong and that he wanted to become his own person. Same thing with how he treated his wives. He didn't take on three wives because it was for the good of his clan. He did it because he wanted to save those three from the fate of what they were born to become. They're not his slaves. They're not the mothers of his future children. They're people he cares about genuinely. And he basically told them, he's like, if you're in this with me, then we're going to find freedom and become people on our own rights. We're not, we're not living the life that other people tell us to. You're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to enjoy who you are and what kind of person you want to be. And you're allowed to have dreams and you're allowed to have goals. But also marry me. <laughs> he didn't force any of them to marry <laughs> no, him, actually. <laughs> no, he didn't. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, look, hey, you're, you're allowed to do all these things. But hey, you want to elope? Yeah, like, uh, the one, uh, I forget her name, but she's the one that everybody says looks a lot like a Nosuke as a woman. Uh, she actually, her sister was originally going to marry him, and she actually begged Tengen to let her marry him instead. Which he accepted because he's like, I would much rather be with three women that chose me than three women that my father chose. That's creepy. <laughs> right? So his feelings towards all three of them are genuine. Like, he cares about all of them. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you could tell which wife is... He doesn't have a favorite. He loves all of them. They're all important. He just has little moments with each of them individually. Yeah. So. Just like me and all of my 73 wives. No. <laughs> I love that the whole, like, fan community, though, is just like, I really want to be Tengen's fourth wife. <laughs> My only real complaint about his wives is in term of character design. From the neck down, they're all the same character. <laughs> they are. They're all exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> and from the neck up, they look like Tanjiro Inosuke and Zenitsu. Okay, in defense of that, Tanjiro Inosuke and Zenitsu are kind of the same way. From the neck down... <laughs> They're all kind of ripped, have kind of the same body. That's true, actually. So. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got a point. Really, the most creative character designs in this series are the Hashira. Have you ever seen all the Hashira next to each other? One, Tengen is massive. Yeah, he's he's gotta be like, what, six foot eight? He's pretty, or something. He's, he's pretty tall. I don't know what his official height is, but he's extremely tall. 
uh, Ufu Table recently released like an acrylic stand that had all of them sitting next to each other. And they had the gall to put Shinobu next to Tengen. <laughs> the literal shortest uh, freaking Hashira next to him. And I'm like, that's just mean. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's for all those size difference shippers out there. <laughs> Except everybody ships Shinobu with uh, uh, Giyu. Giyu, which yeah. I don't, I'm, I just want to talk about this for a little bit. I hate that ship. I I don't care for it. Like, the only it's... reason people ship the two of them together is because they had one arc where they were, like, fighting side by side. But they literally hate each other. Like, she had no interest in uh, being, like, an ally with him. She was mostly just curious about what his abilities are. And he would have rather betrayed her than deal with her shit. In fact, she literally tries to kill him. Yeah. Like, it's the whole point of them being on the team together is the fact that a lot of Demon Slayers typically won't create, like, teams or anything like that. Uh, especially if they're from different fighting styles. Because most of the time, going out and dealing with big problems on your own will get you more approval than teaming up with somebody and doing jobs. And most Demon Slayers very early typically go out and do jobs by themselves. So even though all the Hashira are kind of buddy-buddy with each other, they typically won't work together. Which is another major important thing about the Red Light District arc is... I mean, Tengen was really just using the three boys because he outranks them, and as a Hashira he's allowed to take whoever he wants into whatever kind of mission he wants. But seeing them fight against the uh, Obi Demon, we get to see that when you, they combine breathing styles together, you're actually going to be way more effective than relying on one specific fighting technique. And it's something that's not very common in the Demon Slayer core. Usually, if you are, you know, taking somebody with you, it's the person you're training to be another Demon Slayer, and so they're going to have a similar or identical breathing style to you. Well, you also kind of see that in uh, just Tanjiro, like in the last episode, you know, he's, he's like, oh, if I, you know, combine the Hinokami Kagura with the, the water breathing style, it'll give me more attack power while still being able to, you know, Move have, quickly have, have that, that stamina and, and be able to, uh, you know, change the, the flow like water. Yeah. And for me, the biggest thing was uh, Tanjiro and Zenitsu working in sync with each other so Inosuke could literally go behead <laughs> Upper Six by himself. Uh, okay, that was hilarious. Because he just fucking sawed. <laughs> just used his swords as hacksaws. <laughs> I, I just imagine that if chainsaws were available... Inosuke totally would have used chainsaws. <laughs> have you seen that meme that's like, uh, it's like a picture of a book and it's all like, uh, Demon Slayer, and then it's a picture of a small book that says Inosuke, or Demon Slayer of Inosuke who had a gun. And then it's another one next to it with like a massive book that's all like, Demon Trying Slayer. Trying to take the take gun away from <laughs> <Yeah>. Inosuke. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically that. So yeah, the reason why this arc is so important immediately following, you know, the death of Rengoku is that all of the Hashira 
need to learn that they have to rely on each other. They can't be like you and Shinobu, who refuse to work together because their plan was basically like, whoever gets there first gets the credit. And Shinobu was actually relying on Kano way more than she was relying on Giyu, even though Giyu was a fellow Hashira, because Kano is her student. She uses the same breathing technique. The two of them can work together. And that's typically how Hashira are. They either have their trusted students that they take with them, or they just steal anybody that they can consider a laggy and throw them into whatever danger they find convenient for themselves. Which is basically what Tengen was doing. Yeah. And so, yeah, Tengen gets to learn quite a bit from these three boys who are just balls to the wall insane and are doing this because they genuinely have a good cause to. They're not, you know, trying to become Hashira for the sake of glory or fame or some weird moral compass or because their family was Hashira or anything like that. They're literally just doing it because it's what they feel is right. Except Zenitsu, who was forced into this due to a debt. Yeah, yeah, but also, like, is, 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 is Inosuke doing it because he feels what's right? I thought he was just, liked fighting. Uh, I think he's doing it because, uh, Tanjiro is doing it, and he can't let Tanjiro be better than him at anything. Ah, the, and, the, the rival. Yeah, and uh, Tanjiro is doing it for the right reasons, which means Inosuke has to do it for the right reasons because he has to do it for the right reasons better than Tanjiro is. Ah, I see. <laughs> and unconscious Zenitsu is doing everything for the right reasons. <laughs> All of those high, strong morals that were crammed into him only exist when he's not conscious. But as soon as he wakes up, you know, the, that fight or flight, you know, just takes hold and he wants to run. Yeah. <laughs> so can we also talk about how, like, just absolutely cool Zenitsu's been in this arc, too, the entire time he's asleep? Right? Like, shit, suddenly he learns to sleep talk? Yeah. And shit, God. And he's just cool. Like, even Inosuke's just like... My god, look at you. <laughs> you're completely different than when you're awake. Yeah, Inosuke's just kind of just like, man, I could fall for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, teach me your ways, you're cool. He's not even trying to one-up Zenitsu at this point, he's just like, in awe and shock. He's just like, this guy's a badass. Who is he? <laughs> no longer a minion he is now his sen or sensei right so i i don't know there's a lot of reasons to love this uh but let's talk about the demons because this was probably one of the best plot twists and i'm gonna tell you guys right now every single fucking demon fight from this point forward is we did it we cut their head off lol wait a second just kidding no we didn't <laughs> That is every single fight from this point forward. If you thought that the fight ends as soon as their head comes off, nope. We got a little bit of a taste with that with Rui, where it was just like, oh, good thing that I just happened to use a web right at that last second to keep my head attached, or 
fucking Nezko, who literally kept her head attached to her neck by using blood. <laughs> Which is the biggest duos ex machina I've ever seen in my fucking life. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> bitch, you thought. <laughs> yeah. As long as the blood splatter hasn't separated e from each other, the neck is still attached, technically. And now we have the siblings that as long as one of them has their head attached, they technically both have their head attached. Look, if there's anything I've learned from uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it's that you can sever the neck, but not the head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I really like that this whole uh, arc really built up the idea of like the whole sibling attachment too like everything about the pacing of this arc is pure gold like from Tanjiro one seeing his sister go absolute ape shit and realizing that the bond that they have with each other and the significance of like the history of their family is so important and the reason why they're so strong is because of how they were raised and who they are, and also learning that both of them kind of had a bit of a crazy streak, even when they were both children and human. Like they're they're the type of person that when they're mad, they're terrifying, and this was long before they ever found out about the existence of demons. Mm -hmm. And then the parallel of that to the demon siblings, who. Again, the reason they're so strong is because they've been allowed to be together this entire time. And they're also complete opposites. So we know with the Obi Demon, she constantly talks about how if you're ugly, you don't deserve to live. How anybody who is anything less than beautiful deserves to starve or be killed or whatever, whatever. Only for her brother, her brother to pop out and be like, oh boy, Tengen, wow. You must be really popular with the ladies. You know, you're all handsome and cool and everything. I'm jealous. I wish I wasn't ugly. Yeah. Her brother is, like, basically <laughs> death itself. He's a skeleton. He constantly claws at his skin. He has moldy-looking hair. His eyes are bulging out. He's not attractive in the very least, and kind of a spoiler, but he basically looked like that even when he was human. So, like, that's not just because he's a demon. He, and again, we talked about how all demons can kind of change their shape and change what they look like. He's really kind of stuck like that because that's who he is. That's not just a form he's choosing to take. That's everything about him, both inside and outside. That's who, that's, that's what he's got. That's the yeah. Cards that he was dealt. Where his sister, like, for her, beauty is such a very important thing. But the thing is, she doesn't hate her brother at all. She doesn't look at him like, I wish you weren't ugly. I wish, you know, or I'm the beautiful one. You're the hideous one. Nothing like that. She genuinely thinks her brother is beautiful. And she genuinely cares about him. And a lot of that has to do with their bond. And yeah, so I, we are going to get a bit more of their backstory in the next episode or two, but Woo! I love them. Yeah. <laughs> they were such well-written villains for this arc, and I'm just like, I know a lot of people have been complaining that she was way too weak of a character, and 
I kind of love that she was a little bit weak. I love that she goes from being like whiny and bitchy to suddenly just like, haha, you're too weak to even touch me. Like her confidence just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I really, really like her. I think she's probably one of my favorite demons in the entire series, if I'm being honest with you guys. <laughs> and it doesn't help that the upper moons from the next arc, I genuinely can't fucking remember anything about them. Like, legitimately, I was like sitting there, I'm like, oh, we're getting this arc next. I really like this next arc. And then I'm like, the fuck are the demons in the next arc? Like, literally, they are the least appealing thing of the entire arc. The next arc is great, but I... <clears throat> if you asked me what their abilities are, or what they look like, or anything about them, I can't recall shit. Uh, yeah, the only important ones are the, the Red Light District demons and uh, the demon that killed Rengoku. Akaza, I love him. Oh my god, I love him. I think I think he actually might be my favorite demon. I don't know. Okay, so the girl from this one, uh, I think her name is Dobby. <coughs> I can't remember. It's like Dobby or Doki. I think it's Dobby. But she's great. Like, honestly, like I said, I think she's a really well-written villain. And the whole plot twist that her brother was really there the entire time. And he's actually the powerful one was such a good fucking twist. Like, everything about this fight is absolute pure gold, and these two are gonna be characters that you guys are gonna remember, because they're gonna stick with you. They're just great. But Akaza? Oh, he's great. Okay, like... <laughs> he's the one that we, we bring back that whole, like, all demons used to be human, and they all used to have, like, a really good backstory, and... Like, the fact that they're demons now is actually super tragic, and a lot of that comes down to the fact that, like, he was so desperate for Rengoku to become a demon because Rengoku has almost the exact same moral compass that he had. And for Akaza, he's like, if I'm capable of letting go of that moral compass because becoming a demon is just so gratifying, then surely someone out there would also be willing to give up their moral compass for the same level of power. This this power is so enticing that it can convert anybody, and if he could prove that to himself, it would literally justify everything he's done. Which is why turning Rengoku into a demon was so important, because he needs that. He needs that idea that he didn't make the wrong choice, but the fact that Rengoku refused... He stood his ground and he won that fight. That eats Akaza, like, from the inside. Yeah. It, like, basically destroys his mentality because he's just, like... If if he could say no to all of this, to more, his immortality where he could have become even stronger, then who am I? What am I doing? And he needs to prove that to himself again, that he made all the right choices and... I can't wait for his big fight. We're not going to have it for a while, but God, Akaza is such a great character. And then the upper two are both also really fantastic. The one is an absolute piece of shit. And I I wish for nothing but bad things for him. There is nothing redeemable about him. He is absolute fucking garbage. But then the number one is just such a 
great fucking character in every single way, and I just can't wait for all you guys to meet him, because God, he's so good. <laughs> Everything about him. I'm like, this is fucking peak character writing, okay? Demon Slayer knows how to write good villains, because none of them are particularly evil except for number two. I'm pretty sure number two was evil when he was human. Why? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... Huh. I'm pretty sure that guy was eating babies long before he became a demon. I think that's actually canon. I think he actually ate people before he was a demon. <laughs> I know he at least murdered people before he was a demon. Like, becoming a demon was just a natural phase for him. He's just like, oh yeah, nothing changed except now I don't age. It's pretty neat. What an asshole. He's an asshole. Oh my god. <laughs> but like I said, I, for the life of me, cannot fucking remember who four and five are. Yeah, they're unimportant. They really are. <laughs> and the worst part is, is this upcoming arc, this next arc, is the second best arc in the entire series. <laughs> That's... Oh boy, that's hilarious. So you can tell that the can next... You, can you imagine being like, oh yeah, this is the best arc ever. I have no idea who the final boss is, but oh my god. I really can't. So this just prove how much like the heroes of the story will be carrying the next arc. Because the villains really suck in the next arc. Like, genuinely. I remember the fight was really good. I just can't remember what the actual like abilities were. Or what the characters were like. I'm just like, all I remember is we had a really good Hashira fight, and Tanjiro was just the absolute fucking goat in the next arc. Also, uh, Nezuko gets a new ability in the next arc as well, because Nezuko's just gonna keep getting abilities until she's fucking stacked, alright? <laughs> So, I will tell you guys right now, because I know a lot of people were just like, Man, this arc is really, really horny, because now we also have big-boobed Nezuko, on top of all the other boobs we get this arc. We do not ever get to see big-boobed Nezuko again. Oh, man. Yeah. Do we at least get to see uh, muscular Nezuko? It's those muscles that do it for me. I can't remember, actually. I don't think so. Oh. I know, that, I know that she fights in the next arc, but I think she has a lot more control in the next arc than she did in this one. Okay. Like, this one, I think the whole point of seeing her, like, full demon form this time around was kind of to prove, like, or at least to, like, show Tanjiro, like, what happens if he fails. Because, yeah, she's powerful, and it was really, really good that she saved her brother in that moment, but... Ultimately, like, if he hadn't stopped her, everything he did up to this point would have been for nothing, because you gotta remember he made a promise that if she kills anybody, then he does have to kill himself, as well as Giyu and uh, Rodaki. Yeah. And his sister will also die as well, like, she'll be beheaded immediately. But not just that, but she's also more powerful than the upper six. So, or at least number six of the upper six. So the Demon Slayer Corps taking her out is not going to be an easy thing either. But this means that ultimately the person who needs to control her is either Tanjiro or she needs to learn to control it herself. And that's a lot of what her character is about the next arc. 
If they're just being like, I can't lose control. I need to learn how to take care of my brother and take care of myself without losing who I am. Because she is starting to become way more intelligent and more conscious of herself now. Yeah. So, because in the very first, like, episode when we first see her become a demon, she's pretty brainless. And up to this point, a lot of people are like, why hasn't she talked? Why hasn't she shown, like, a lot of, like, emotion or thought process or whatever and like that? And they even ask that in the next arc where they're just like, so... Most demons, when they get to this point, they're capable of speech and they're capable of tricking people into thinking they're human. And Nezco just kind of seems a little bit brainless. Ah, yes. Well, you see, there's a very good reason for that. I've had her muzzled in a box for... <laughs> we know she's capable <laughs> let's, of speech, let's, but... let's see you earn, you know, any sort of uh, social, you know... <laughs> Point, you know, like points in when you're just in a dark box <laughs> with bamboo in your mouth. Yeah, but at this point, she kind of acts more like a toddler than anything. And even when she went her full Unleashed Demon, she wasn't really communicating. She was more just grunting and screaming. Yeah. So she's a bit primal. She goes from either being baby to pure, like, primal. It really is the best word to use here. Yeah. So. So the next arc really does start to beg the question, like, why hasn't she become intelligent like all these other demons that have reached this power level? And we will get that answer in the next arc. <laughs> uh, look, I'm, I'm just saying kudos to uh, the voice actor, though, for being able to get that paycheck without making any noise. <laughs> <laughs> Zero lines. Collect that money. <laughs> she had one line. <laughs> Actually, she's she's had a few lines. Uh, because she had her one line at the end of the first season where she, like, thanks her brother or whatever, which was such a weird moment. I just, can, I, can we talk about that? Of course. Yeah, where she's just like, <laughs> Thank you, brother. I love you. Whatever. I don't even fucking remember what she said. That was completely anime only. <laughs> and it was so, like, random. Like, she's asleep with the fucking muzzle in her mouth. But Tanjiro hears her as clear as day, and then he turns around, she's still asleep. I'm like, this. that's weird. I'm sorry. It's weird. It was all in his head. He yeah, imagined it. Yeah, probably. But it makes me upset because, like, that whole, like, arc in the manga, she was actually conscious for the whole thing she was just mostly in the box because shinobu keeps her place pretty well lit you know lots of windows for sunlight yeah because it is a place where they want to avoid demons being there they're not going to have a room that's just completely dark they're just like well she has a box she can live in the box she'll be fine we we don't want to attract demons by giving a comfortable place for a demon to live <laughs> all right but that meant at night she got to be more active, which in the manga Zenitsu was, you know, always tried to, like, get to bed early so he could, like, be up at night and take care of Nezuko. And, like, that was most of her, like, socializing. Is He's just like, hey, let's hang out. And then he would, like, tell her the stories about what they did in the day, like, their training and all the cool stuff that Tanjiro's learning. And I'm like, I really loved that Zenitsu was the one telling her all these stories because... 
It showed that he actually genuinely cares about Tanjiro. Like, he really does look up to him, and the two of them have actually become good friends, and not just Zenitsu following him around because he's strong enough to protect him from all the demons. He's like, it's a, he's like, your brother's a really good guy, and here's all the cool things he's doing. And then he also did things like he snuck Nezuko into Shinobu's room so she could look at the goldfish. Which is really cute and wholesome, and I don't know why the anime removed these scenes, because yeah. without that, Zenitsu just seems really creepy, and his whole, like, him having a crush on Nezuko just seems really, like, almost incel-like in the anime. Almost incel, very one-sided. Yeah. Like, she actually really does appreciate his company in the manga, because... He does a lot for her, and she could tell that he does care about her brother, and she has to care about somebody that she's not blood-related to. <laughs> <laughs> she also cares a lot about Inosuke as well, because even though he's, like, not quite a social around her, he does still, like, acknowledge her as, like, part of their group, and he's just like, you're not bad, and he also thinks of her as one of his minions. Yeah. And so she appreciates that. She, like, she likes being treated like one of the group. So we don't quite see a the two of them interact a lot until the next arc, but it it does show that, you know, Nezuko does consider them her friends. And that she's not just a useless doll being dragged around in a box <laughs> by her brother. And it drives you crazy the anime has removed any of that, of her character. Yeah. So. But she is dumb as a toddler. <laughs> Still. It's not her fault, but she is kind of dumb. Yeah. She also did get dialogue in the flashback. Zero lines. <laughs> three paycheck. <laughs> three paycheck. Did you see the video where uh, the voice actor's birthday, the actor who plays Zenitsu, like, brought her a massive cake and sang happy birthday to her? I didn't see that. It's so funny, because he's, like, he's singing the whole thing in English, and he's, like, trying to sound like ultra. He's, like, happy birthday. They Nezuko Chia! <laughs> and the whole time she's like trying not to lose it. <laughs> it's so cute. I'll have to find it and show it to you. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I really wanted to get a lot into like the animation and everything this arc, but honestly, they're just fucking killing it. Uh, they are. I mean, this is uh, what UFO table. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, they've been hitting it with everything they've been doing. I think the one advantage that I really like about the anime versus the manga, because I've been talking a lot about how I like the manga a bit more, but the one thing that the anime is just absolutely <laughs> doing spectacularly is the tone of this arc. The first few episodes, like particularly the first episode, felt like a horror series. Like, everything about it is just dripping with Japanese horror. And that's not easy to do with animation. We've talked on this podcast before about how horror and animation don't really translate very well. I think this arc has severely proved me wrong. There's just so much, like, when it comes to the lighting, the art style, the quick camera cuts everything about it is genuinely creepy and genuinely terrifying and even just building up like even though it's really easy to figure out who the demon is 
you know, that they've been trying to infiltrate. Just building her up as a character very early was genuinely terrifying. The fact that people are just disappearing through the walls or they nobody knows what's going on. People literally being thrown off the building and everybody just kind of being like, Oh, look at that! They committed suicide! We're never gonna talk about this again! Like, she has everybody walking on eggshells. And the fact that there's even this massive, like, hundred-year lore surrounding her. Like, she's become something of, like, a myth as well. She's just that creepy and terrifying. Uh, we didn't get that kind of tone from the manga, because the manga kind of, you set it at your own pace, and no offense to the mangaka, but they're no Junji Ito when it comes to the art of the page turn here. Yeah. So this is really something that Ufu Table absolutely thrived in, and I I can honestly say this is the first time I think an animation has done a better job with horror than a comic. So, very well done. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think it's one thing to be able to set tension when you as a reader are forced to keep going through a book or going through a video game or going through a comic, but with animation and film, a lot of that is completely in control of the director. And I know it's a bit early to start talking about next year's Crunchyroll Awards, but I really do think that this season had incredible direction. And I think if the only thing people want to talk about is animation, I think you guys are slip are sleeping on a lot of really good things here. Ufo Table has hired an incredible team of people to work on this anime. Mm-hmm. I think if you're just underselling it as hype, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Uh, well, there's there's always gonna be those kinds of people that are like, uh, it's just hype. It's not that good. Like, like, I don't know. Just yeah, let people enjoy their shit, okay? Yeah. Is it the best thing that's going to come out this year? No, probably not. But I want to give credit where credit's due, and that's why this is the third time we've talked about Demon Slayer in its own <laughs> dedicated episode on this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, let, let's be honest. Let's talk about why there's so much hype around this series, and let's talk about why people still care about it so much. This genuinely is my favorite arc, and I think the anime has made this arc so much better than the manga. And that's a really good thing, because I can think of very few series where I think the anime adaptation is better than its original source material. There's times where I think that they hit par with it, where I'm like, oh, both are good. But it's rare that I will come out and say, this is the better version. Yeah. And it absolutely is. So, part of me almost regrets reading the manga because of how good this is. But (laughs) another part of me is like, okay, it's going to be a while before we get some of this future content. So I am glad that I read the manga. Especially if they're going to keep making movies and then making us rewatch those movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, I'm not too bothered by it because it gave us the, you know, animators a chance to really polish this arc as well as they did. So, and I'm looking forward to the finale. I I know you guys are going to love it. Especially because 
a lot of my favorite Hashira are still to come. Tengen is amazing. He's not the best. Okay, uh, so speaking of the Hashira, mm -hmm. out of style-wise, I actually like the one dude. He looks like he's blind. Is he blind? Uh, I think he is blind. I, I can't remember. Uh, he, he unfortunately doesn't get his own arc. Really? I was gonna say, yeah. what's your opinion on him? He's... He's kind of like a B-list, in my opinion. Like, he's not... He's not bad. He gets a really, really good fight. He actually fights the uh, number one upper moon. And he puts up a hell of a fight against the number one upper moon, too. And so we get to see a lot of, like, his, like, just pure strength and power. And he's really not a poorly written character, but I don't think he's quite given enough screen time for us to get too attached to him. Okay. Which is sad. I think he would have had a really good arc, but I know the writer was going through a lot of personal stuff at the time, and I think they were scared that they weren't going to be able to finish the manga at all. And so the entire final arc of this anime is very, very rushed. Very similar situation to Yu Yu Show, where just like you could tell there was a lot more planned, but they're just like, well, uh, life comes at you fast, just get it on paper. You know? Yeah. So it, it kind of <clears throat> sucks, but he's a good character. He's just not the best. Okay. My favorite Hashira is the Snake Boy. I do like him too. He is incredible. He's such a piece of shit for like the longest time. <laughs> Very similar to like the Tengen introdu introduction where it's just like, okay, I hate this guy, but then you get to understand him and you're like, I love this guy. <laughs> I love him so much. So I love that everybody has fallen in love with Tengen though. Uh, of all the Hashira, he was the first one where I bought a figure for him. And I really want to get a scale figure of him, but I'm scared that if it's anything like Rengoku, the prices are just going to be ridiculous. Yeah. I've only seen a couple of Rengoku scale figures that I think are reasonably priced, and I don't really know if I want to buy any of them, because I just... I love Rengoku, but not $300 worth. <laughs> <laughs> Same with Shinobu. Like, Shinobu has a lot of really good figures, but I feel like all of them are really expensive. So I'm, I'm hoping that Tengen gets a reasonably priced figure, because I just, I can't. Otherwise, all I'm going to have is Giyu figures, you guys, because he's the only one that gets reasonably priced figures. Yeah. So I, I'd love to get more Hashira in my collection, but... And I'm hoping we get a really good figure of Snake Boy, but again, we're not going to get his arc until basically the end of the series. So I don't think we'll get a figure of him for a while, sadly. Other than the Bandai figure that's already come out. Yeah. So. But yeah, Tengen is great. His wives are great. We're all fighting to be his fourth wife, every single one of us. Some, someone's got to do it. Everybody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says fourth wife. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. The real wives were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> no. Bad. <laughs> Bad. And you guys are in for one hell of a finale for this arc. Yes. So. I'm, I'm excited. We're... 
Are we nearing the end? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I tried to look up how many episodes this arc like, is going to be. Because, like, we're still in January. Yeah. But it feels like we're nearing the end of this, like, kind of little final battle arc. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how long this season's going to be because I tried to look up how many episodes it's going to be. And it's just a massive question mark on my anime list. <laughs> it's just like, uh. So I've, I've been trying to figure out how many more episodes we have left. I honestly have no idea. But I know that we don't have a lot of chapters left in this arc. Yeah. So we are really near the end of this fight. So I don't know if we're just going to get like the start of the next arc a little bit. Or if we're going to get kind of that whole like, we're all back in medical again. <laughs> back back to training. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be... Um, it's going to finish. And then it's just going to be like six episodes of the, the Taisha, Taisho era secrets. <laughs> I love the Taisho era secrets. Just, just 30 minutes of the Taisho era secrets every week. Also... I am really hoping the Sword Village arc is not a movie. Because I don't know if they could do the whole thing justice with a movie, but I get the feeling it might be a movie. Yeah. So, season three. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that, I think we're going to wrap up. Unless you have anything, any final thoughts? No, I think I'm good. Yeah. So, I said there was a lot of things I wanted to talk about this episode. Instead, I just gushed the whole time. So... Yeah, that happens. <laughs> it happens, yeah. So, yeah. I hope you guys love this arc as much as I do, though. Because it's, it's just so good. And just because it's my favorite doesn't mean we don't have good things to come. Because I, I was watching uh, one of the episodes with my roommate because she was trying to get caught up. And that moment it introduced, like, the one guy that Mugen's, like, terrified of that just looks like an older version of Tanjiro... She's like, oh, well, thank God we're getting more screen time of this guy. Maybe we'll learn something about him. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Got, like, at least two more seasons before we learn shit about this guy. But he will keep popping up in mysterious ways. Every time Tanjiro scares somebody, he just will pop up. Like, that's, that's basically his deal. And everybody's like, oh, that's Tanjiro's dad or that's Tanjiro's ancestor. I will spoil this. No, it's not. <laughs> He's not re- he's not blood related to Tanjiro at all. I don't know why they look so much alike. He is uh, the original creator of the Hinokami Kagura. Just speculating here. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we're gonna wrap up the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for guys. listening, you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.